Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part one of Uncharted 2, where Alan and I will be curating side A of a mixtape featuring the best songs of the new millennium that Xers may not have heard. Correct. And like our first endeavor last season, none of these songs have charted on the Hot 100. They may have charted in in other they, they may have placed on other charts, correct? But, but not on the Hot 100 itself. These have not received much in the way of uh, airplay in the pop stations, right? So, yeah, there there is always the likelihood that our listeners are unfamiliar with these artists and bands. And if you are, well, that's why we're here because these these 24 cuts they deserve some attention. Um, and I'm trying to think. Some of these may have had other songs that charted, and or not. I, I'm, um, I don't think I don't think any of mine have charted on the actual Hot 100 before. I don't think mine have either. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of them crossed over on the or in the uh, alternative right. uh, rock tracks and right. Yeah, I I have uh, artists here that placed. I mean, they, they they charted very high, maybe on the R&B or the the modern rock. Um, I have one that actually did receive a. a some modest airplay, and and it charted very high on the radio airplay chart um, on top forty stations, but it never placed on the Hot One Hundred itself. Interesting. So, um, but yeah, it's a great mix of music. I mean, this is one. I, last season's was phenomenal too. I thought really, but as as I started to sequence these in my mind, I, of course we don't know how it'll be sequenced in the end, but I started playing these and I was mixing, you know, various. Uh, Various sequences, and and it is just a great mix of music. I yeah, mean, it's one of the best I think we've we've ever put together. Oh, I agree, I agree, and you know we got a great response last season when we tried this, so we decided we'd go for another round because there's just so much good music being made, and I'm sure we have missed so much stuff. You know, this is our experience, and you know, being older. Um, sometimes it's harder to come by uh, new music just because we're not part of that zeitgeist. But there's also the fact that because of Spotify and, and because of ways to distribute your music uh, basically for free, promote your music for free, and record it um, at home on, on very relatively inexpensive equipment, um, there are so many good bands out there. So uh, don't be offended if we didn't pick your favorite, but please let us know and write in. And we've had suggestions in the past of stuff that we should listen to. Oh, very, yeah. very good suggestions. So. Um, yeah, please write us. And not to, you know, forget, because we always forget, if you do like these songs and you enjoy uh, the songs that we choose, you can listen to a playlist of those songs on Spotify. If you go to our Spotify uh, profile, uh, we have all of our uh, 
uh, playlist there as well as the website. We have them on the website as Correct. well. Correct. Yeah. And um, we are, well, we also have two two playlists uh, for every episode because or for every two part episode. Right. Because not only do we give you the actual mixtape that we create, but we also have the mentioned songs. Um, it used to be alternates and mentioned songs. We no longer have alternates uh, in the way that we've changed our format. But um, it, it, the mentioned songs playlist is always yeah, because there's no limit. We th- can, there's no if limit. We mention it, we put it on. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it is a very strange mix of music. Yeah, it's not it's not sequenced in any way. It's no, just a not hodgepodge. Um, but no, I, I really I'm I'm excited for this. I'm excited for every every episode that we record, but. I, this one, I, there are some songs here. There, there are quite a few that I wanted to include last season, and actually, there were three that were on my short list. I mean, they were in my twelve until we decided to go gender specific, right? Um, which we're not doing this time. Which we're not, no. And um, certainly, I, you know, I, I just want to point out sometimes on the Facebook page, especially, I'll, I'll place a meme there, jokingly, where it says, you know, that. Um, you know, it's 2022 and I'm still listening to music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Sure. And, you know, the... Which we all still are. Well, we are, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are those memes that say that, you know, music today is just, you know, there's there's nothing good being released and it is so not right. true. Maybe commercially, and I wouldn't say good, obviously, if it's charting, people enjoy well, it. There's exactly, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But but like like we said at the beginning, if you're a Gen Xer and you like that music growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, then then chances are you'll like these newer bands that we're going to present today. Right, because a, a number of them, actually all of them, in some context, feel like they could be Gen X music. Oh, yeah, completely. You know, all of them. Um, and it's 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 just a lot of fun. This is one. This I, I'm hoping that we do a Uncharted three next season because yeah. I I love the opportunity to introduce people to what I'm listening to. That, you know, artist bands that they would otherwise not know. So, well, let's get started then. All right. Your first pick. Okay. I uh, begin this mixtape with Toronto native Lindy Ortega. Now, she's had a 20 year career that has been spent on the peripheral edge of the country industry. She is a country artist, uh, but she is not a conventional country artist by any means. She is actually Canadian with Irish Mexican blood and, and, really a sartorial style that's more Stevie Nicks than Loretta Lynn. Um, rather than small towns, she sings about big cities, especially on my first pick for today's mixtape, which is the standout rundown neighborhood, uh, which finds a sturdy friendship taking shape in the sort of neighborhood where people drive through without stopping at red lights. Sings uh, very brightly. Uh, lyrics such as, Hey, you can have some of my weed if I can smoke your cigarette. I might be running low, but I ain't out just yet. I mean, it, it's this is a friendship built on 
all of the wrong uh, reasons, but it makes for just pure fun when listening to the song. Um, and the song speaks to the always present focus on social status, that living in a small town like Nashville, she is from Toronto, but she has since moved to Nashville. Um, but living in a town like Nashville, you know, the song can remind uh, its artistic residents of their their surroundings, whether they, they want to be reminded or not, really. Most of the time, Ortega sounds spry, even excitable. I mean, she's singing with a knowing wink, underscoring the fatalism of her songs. Even the grim details of a hard luck life can't really keep her down. And I, it, I just love this song. It's so overtly optimistic, even in the face of, you know, the neighborhood falling apart all around them. Um, and ultimately, she makes her rundown neighborhood sound so much, not, not so much like, like a place of diminished opportunity, but rather of endless possibility. And, and musically, the track has an Elvis at Sun Studios rockabilly feel that, that is just infectious. Uh, people have compared Lindy Ortega's voice to Dolly Parton's, but with a darker edge. Her natural vibrato I mean, reaches for your heartstrings and squeezes tight, and some of these moments may even be a little too rich for those who are used to dining on the epish voices of many of today's reserved and character bereft singers. Um, it took four producers working in two cities, Muscle Shoals and Nashville, to realize her Americana uh, vision on Faded Glory, though, the name of the album. But the results were, were worth it. And based on the recording location alone, the very musical approach to the album, um, it, it gives you 10 tracks, and it veers from straight country to rockabilly, R&B to rootsy rock, even some pop. And it's all connected by Ortega's trilling, bittersweet, instantly recognizable vocals. Uh, regardless of the style, Ortega's lyrics typically venture into the darker sides of love and life, and, and she... She gives every syllable meaning and emotional heft. So, Faded Gloryville, it's steeped in mid-20th century Southern Americana, and that's in part thanks to John Paul White, formerly of the Civil Wars, you'll hear more about him here in a little while, uh, from me, and, and the Alabama Shakes keyboard player Ben Tanner, both take a share in writing and production. And if you do decide to, to look up the album itself, Faded Gloryville, I strongly encourage you to take close note of a very soulful cover of the Bee Gees' 1967 hit "To Love Somebody." Hmm, interesting. When we uh, we're talking about doing some some episodes next season, perhaps uh, on the theme of cover music, uh, remakes, reboots, covers. Um, if we do, then her her version of "To Love Somebody" is definitely definitely going to make my my list. So. There you go. Yeah. Andy Ortega is number one. Yeah, I, well, I really enjoyed this song. And I, I didn't really see it as much as country um, as, like you had mentioned, Americana. Right. Um, or old country. Very much, yes. And and I, you can almost hear the ghosts of, of Johnny and June mm -hmm. singing the song as a duet somewhere in some other world. You know, it, it's very classic, classic country. And I think that, you know, this isn't a Road Trips episode, but I think this is also a tailor-made Road Trip song. This oh. is the kind you put on and you can just run, go down the highway as fast as you can without getting pulled over and just really dig this one. Yeah, no, I, I, I can totally see that, yeah. I, you know, I, I discovered her, it, again, it was Spotify. Spotify's algorithm threw her at me one day. Um, and it was to love somebody, actually. It was the Bee Gees cover that uh, they, they gave me and then I ventured to the album and I've been a fan ever since. It's been... I've been going strong now for a couple of years listening to her, and she is just album after album. Every release is just phenomenal. Yeah. So. Well, I'm a, I'm a new fan, so thank you for that.
All right, so uh, my first pick. Uh, this is a song, you know, it seems like there are different seasons of the year where I might latch onto a song and listen to it incessantly. And then, you know, eventually it runs its course. And then later on in the year, or a year later, I hear that song and it just takes me right back to that season or that time. I have a feeling this is going to be one of the, these songs because a friend of mine introduced me to this song and this band over the summer. And I was instantly hooked. And I've listened, especially this track, I've listened to this track probably almost every day over the last couple of months. And I just can't get enough of it. I think it's going to be one of those songs that no matter how much I listen to it, I'm, I'm never going to get sick of it. And I love those. It's from a band called The Preachers. It's um, spelled like creatures, but with a P. And they are Australian. They formed in uh, 2010. It features Isabella Izzy Manfredi on lead vocals. And uh, the song is... Is this how you feel? Now, what's really interesting about this song was the, the, the band had been around, but they finally broke through when the song uh, was entered in and won the most prestigious songwriting contest in Australia. I didn't know there was a prestigious songwriting no, contest not, in Australia. Did I. I don't know that we really have that in America other than... The Pulitzer, but that's right. not songwriting. I mean, there was a reality show similar to American Idol where songwriters brought, but I think it only lasted like right. one season. But uh, it resulted in a $50,000 prize and a ton of exposure. This song is just pure pop rock perfection. Uh, the, opening the opening rhythm track leads in this like little funky guitar that makes way for the verse. And then it just floats like right above that first teaser chorus and into the, the main chorus. And I talk about soaring melodies. This one just totally hits that. Uh, every time that pre-chorus comes up, I just get really excited because I know what's going to come. Um, lyrically, I also, you know, I'm not a lyrics guy, but certain songs hit me, and this one did. Uh, lyrically, this song is all about being obsessed with someone and hoping they feel the same about you. And that hook that I'm talking about captures that ecstasy of infatuation perfectly. Just can't get enough of it. The, uh, the band has two records so far. I have yet to, to delve into their back catalog, but, you know, I always like it when there isn't a lot to delve back. Sometimes it's daunting when you discover an artist and they have, you know, 15 records. So they have two so far, and, and the most recent was released, um, uh, this album here, the album was called Planet Blue Eyes. It came out, actually, Planet Blue, excuse me, Planet Blue Eyes was 2013, that was their initial release. Their most recent was 2017, and uh, hopefully we hear more from the, the band in the future. Now, does this come from, because, because of the, uh, your mistake, does this come from the... 20, it comes from the debut, debut album. 2013 yeah, yeah, album, from okay. 2013 from, from uh, Blue Planet Blue Eyes. Planet. Okay. Blue Planet Eyes. So, yeah, it's one of those bands I still haven't gotten past this song. You know, I'm, I, I eventually want to explore the other stuff, but right now this is song's all I need from them. Well, I, I knew a few of your artists coming in, um, which last season, I think, 
Oh, wow. I, I think I knew maybe one or two at best. I had never heard of the preachers. And this is, without question, uh, there are three or four just standouts to me. I, I, I enjoyed all the music that you that you brought uh, to the episode, but this is one of those that just, it hit me immediately. Yeah, oh yeah. I love this. It is, it is infectious, yeah. like you said, and it's just, I... Oh, everything about it is just, it's pop perfection. It, it's a feel-good song, too. It, it really is. You could also throw this on the road trip mix. You oh, know, you roll could. the windows down, crank this baby up. Yep. And so I have a feeling that if I listen to this, like, later on in, in the winter, it's going to remind me of this summer and the good times I had this summer. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, it's just a feel-good vibe that fr- from start to finish. And, you know, realistically, I know you like your your you know, jangle pop. This this isn't necessarily no, no, jangle pop, but it has that same, I, I don't know, there's something about it that, and I just heard this blindly, it would have made me think of you. Oh, see? Yeah. And, and it, it just, it, it's the love of the new wave and the, the yep. 80s and 90s alternative mixed with that, you know, it, it just... It is you. And, and that's why I love to have friends who know me so well. So the friend that introduced me to the song, he just knew. We were mm-hmm. we were in the car and he says, hey, by the way, uh, I just heard this song. I know you're going to love it. It's right in your wheelhouse. And boy, was he right. Yeah. I know. It, it, it is absolutely something I would expect from you and thrilled that you introduced it to me. Nothing, nothing beats a great hook. Yep. Nothing beats a great hook. Very true. Melody is king. All right. Your next one. All right. Well, my next one is uh, a title track uh, from the album Fur by Blitz and Trapper. came out in 2008. Yeah, when I was only 17, I could hear the angels whispering. So I drove into the woods and wandered aimlessly about Until I heard my mother shouting through the fog It turned out to be the howling of a dog Or a wolf to be exact The sound sent shivers down my back But I was drawn into the pack and before long They allowed me to join in and sing their song So from the cliffs and higher still Yeah, we would gladly get our fill Howling endlessly and shrilly at the dawn And I lost the taste for judging right from wrong For my flesh had turned to fur Yeah, and my thoughts they surely were Turned to instinct and obedience to God Now, Blitz and Trapper, I didn't know a whole lot about them uh, at, at first, initially, but uh, I, I knew just this song, frankly. Their breakthrough album, which was Wild Mountain Nation, um, you know, it, it caught fire because I, I started reading the reviews, Pitchfork, uh, you know, Consequence of Sound, all stereo gum. It, it caught fire, I think, uh, in part because of its eclecticism. Um, the band really just has this try anything once spirit. They're from Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's a sextet, and and they they have on their their debut a hodgepodge of of material. That they, they take uh, twangy deadhead jams, loose do it yourself pavement sprawl, uh, muscular Leonard Skinner riffs. There there is 
uh, anachronistic uh, synthesizer bursts and a lot of scruffy melodies uh, that remind me a lot of like 60s uh, legends, the band. Right. Uh, yeah. And and they, you know, they put it all into the, just this collection that's, I, I found really thrilling. I mean, it was like a stylistic alchemy of, of uh, you know, just anything that, that they could set their minds to. It's so hard to describe music. It, it really is. Yeah, it's, I'm, trying my, to it. I'm trying my best right now. And it's it's really, it's not easy. I don't know why we attempt to. We should just play the songs yeah, we, we and get out of the way. But, but what made their first album so intriguing to me also made it kind of infuriating because there was no cohesion to it. Um, it was it was a gripping mishmash, but it just really, um, you know, it proved that they, they had an obsession with the sounds of the 70s. And I get for you know, ramshackle melodies, but it did not create a cohesive whole. Well, the album that this comes from, Fur, again, this is the title track that I'm, I'm, I've chosen. Um, here, they, they settle down, they narrow their scope, and, and they sharpen their focus, and they manage to create something that's even better than that debut. Um, it is an imaginative, heartfelt collection, uh, more intimate than the predecessor, and it, and it revels less in boundless stylistic freedom and more in the creativity afforded by structure. Um, these guys, they are phenomenal. And, you know, if you are a Dylan fan, he, here's what I'll say about Blitz and Trapper. If you are a fan of Dylan, you're going to love Fur. Um, they really, you know, it, they offer some of the most convincing Dylan vocals since 2000. Um, and, Really, they pay tribute to him, I think, best on the track that I've chosen. Um, it, it's a song that uh, easily I could see Dylan performing before he went electric at Newport. Well, I was going to ask you if, if they're all Dylan-esque. And you said the first album, especially not. Yeah. Because that's the first thing I heard in the song. I'm like, oh, so these guys right. are in love with Dylan. So therefore, I love them. Yeah. No, this album, very much so. Yeah. Uh, their earlier work, not so much. I mean, th there were hints of it. But, but like I said, they they just pull from everywhere. That reminds me, of, I was watching a Kiss documentary and uh, their first album, they were Wicked Lester before they were Kiss. And they Wicked went into Lester. the studio. How did I never know that? Yeah, Wicked Lester. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, there was uh, Gene and Paul and a couple other guys. It wasn't uh, Ace and uh, Peter at the time. And uh, they, they kind of got lucky and uh, got some studio time in Electric Lady Studios and they recorded this record and, and they they didn't like the fact that every single song sounded completely different. Now, some, you know, you, you do want a little bit of variety, but they felt there was no identity in the songs. You know, one they said had flutes on it, like Jethro Tall, and one of it was like a slow bat. And they just didn't have a unique oh. sound. Okay, I'm trying to imagine Kiss with a flute <laughs> and that, that just... I can't wrap my mind around and that. And so they actually, they actually, uh, they walked away for Gene and Paul walked away from it. And the rest of the band was upset because they were signed. But, but you know, to, to Paul and Gene's credit, they, they realized that it wasn't going to go anywhere. And so then they, they formed Kiss and, and found a, a sound that you could identify as Kiss, especially during that time before a lot of the hair bands and stuff kind of emulated that. So it just huh. reminded me of, of that because, yeah, you do want to be eclectic, but you also want to have an identity as a band as well. Oh, yeah. That's how I always felt like about Jet. Like, I enjoy Jet's songs, the few that I've heard, the singles. Right. And a lot of them are very Beatlesque or they're Zeppelin-esque, but it's almost like they're a, kind of an, a tribute band to classic rock more than their own thing. Oh, absolutely. And and the one huge hit, what was it? Are You Gonna Be My Girl? That was, was that the Zeppelin one, one yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one, I mean, it just, 
it, it's rock and roll from Zeppelin Four. Right, right, right. Literally, you know, to the very sound. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that's. I encourage if you like these guys, I would definitely encourage anyone to listen to that first album because it was it was great. It just it did not really showcase who this band was. I mean, the, there were so many slivers that. You know, it, it was almost like it was multiple multiple personalities thrown right, thrown right. in, which which works. I mean, hell, that's the White Album. You right, know? and sure. the Beatles made a made a practice. But of they were already it. Beatles at that. But they point. were already the Beatles, exactly. Um, but no, this one is very Dylan esque um, for and and you know they pay even more homage to to Dylan uh, with the harmonicas that they spackle into this particular track. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a folksy strum tale of a wolf man's transformation. I mean, just lyrically, I, I, I'm a lyrics guy, you know that. Lyrically, this story just, I, I, I was, they had me the moment they started talking about, you know, the transformation. Um, basically, Fur is the story of a 17-year-old male who is seduced by the foggy mystery of a forest. And he finds himself reborn by the alluring howl of a wolf. And then among a pack of wolves, he lives feral and, and furry. And, and time passes, 17 becomes 23, and Tarzan meets his Jane, and she returns him to the human fold, even though our protagonist feels pangs of loss because of his re-civilization. It's a very simple story, but it's, it's very beautiful. And, and to me, it was unlike anything I'd ever heard, story included. Um, you know, this album, Fur, it, it has more than its share of solid songs and memorable melodies, but... Where previous albums, you know, had obscured the band's natural pop knack with their experimentations, this album, I mean, it really uh, shows just what they're capable of. I, th I think they found their niche, really, and um, it's just the title track, especially. It, it takes the Raised by Wolves tale and, and shows the narrator going from tame kid to wild child, and then settling down to adulthood so beautifully, all in the span of four minutes. And it's metaphor, of course, about you know, write a passage and, and it's the building's Roman. I, I don't know that uh, you can read it literally. Perhaps he does turn into a wolf. I, I don't know, but I, it's just, it's a beautiful song and I, I've been hooked on them since my first lesson. So yeah, you mirrored my, my thoughts exactly. And, and even though we share the songs, we, we don't discuss these ahead of time. Right. So, you know, on my notes right, right away, I said, hands down, by the way, this is my favorite selection that you picked. Really? Yeah. Okay. By, by far. Um, and as a Dylan fan, you know, just right away, I just knew what they were doing. And it wasn't a copy of Dylan. It was an homage, you know, and there's a right. big difference. And lyrically, again, not being a lyrics guy, I was immediately drawn to the story, as you mentioned. I didn't see it much as like, like Wolfman, as much as more, I saw it more of like a, a Native American type spirit and I, yeah, uh, I, transformation, which can be read literally, but it's also fun from a fantasy aspect to imagine it. Absolutely. You know, literally. So, um, yeah, it just this just great, great song. And um, it's another one. I, I probably listened to this song more than any other selection that you picked. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping you'd really dig this one. I know you are a huge Dylan fan. Um, no, Wolf, I don't know. Wolfman was just my attempt to try and explain I got, no, the story. Yeah. Well, I think people might think werewolf. Right, and, and, and no, that's not what it is yeah. at all. No, it, it's, it's more like, yeah, it, it, you say it's a metaphor for him, the rite of passage, right. growing up, learning what it is to be a man. But um, yeah, just a great song. Glad you liked it. Yep. All right, my next pick. I, th I think this is one you said you didn't like as well as my other ones. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, sometimes we agree, sometimes 
I like something and I look at the rest of the world and I don't understand why they don't see what I see or hear what I hear, right? And, you know, I know some of the music I listen to is, is a little bit, you know, off the, the beaten path, like Sushant Stevens, right? I would never blame anybody <laughs> if they said, wow, this is just, you know, not for me or a little too complicated or obscure. That's fine. I get that. I don't understand why this wasn't a number one song on the pop charts. The, to me, this is so catchy. It's, it's danceable. It's, it's got a great positive message about, you know, being who you are. And I'm talking about Feel the Way I Want by Caroline Rose. out in 2020 from her uh, I believe it was her fourth album Superstar this is in the end this is the only one of your 12 that I just I still can't connect with really I I, I appreciate what she's doing and music I, she has talent I mean it's very clear that she's very good at what she does I just there's I don't it's it's both her her delivery it's the pitch I mean, she's on pitch. I don't want to make it sound like she can't sing, but you don't like the tone. I don't. The I, tone I don't of yeah, it. it's yeah, it's yeah. the tone of her voice, and it's just, I don't, it it just doesn't mesh for me. Yeah. Um, but it, on repeated listens, I've, I'm warming to it. Yeah, no, it, it is one that grows on you. I remember when the album dropped, and the first couple times I heard it, it didn't really stand out for me. But it's one of those. Then then maybe the third listen, mm -hmm. and then when I saw I saw her live for a second time this summer, and uh, and when she played it live, it just it just hit. Okay, so. Carolyn Rose, like I said, this is her most recent release, um, and I, I call this an anthem. It's an anthem about being true to yourself and not giving a blank about what anyone else thinks, right? I love those songs. Um, you know, that idea of like dance like no one's watching, don't care, you know, don't live for approval, just, just be who you are. And that's sometimes easier for certain people than other people. You know, sometimes people never get to that point. Sometimes people get to that point so quickly, you know, right? And they find themselves really, really isolated. Um, but I love that idea of, of a journey. We all have a journey and, and we're all trying to people please at some point in our lives, whether it be our family, our friends, our boss, 
And then a lot of people reach a point where you're just like, you know what? Life's too short to play everyone else's game. And you got to play your game mm-hmm. and, and, and be unapologetic about it. Um, musically, Rose uses her trademark 80s style uh, synth. Okay, so she's a keyboard player. And uh, you can definitely hear the new wave in this with her keyboard, as with her, her previous album. Uh, I think the chorus is catchy as hell. It just makes me want to dance. I don't dance, but I mean, it makes me want to. Sometimes I might if nobody's watching, you know? See, I just need to feel the way I want and not worry about everyone else. Believe it or not, Rose started out as an alt-country artist. Really? Yes. And her first two releases, I can't think of an artist. I cannot think of an artist that did a complete 180 as much as Carolyn Rose did. If you go back and listen to her first three records, it is very, very, very alt-country, even, even somewhat twangy in her vocals. Uh, all guitars, no keyboards, no trace of anything 80s. I mean, it's, you know, old country. So there is, you know, a feeling of that alternative influence, but but not not a lot. And so when she came out with her third album, um, which was Loner, which was the one that Pitchfork really embraced and gave really good reviews. That's actually how I heard about her first. Uh, Loner came out in 2018. And all of a sudden now we have 80 synth and, and these pop melodies and just a completely 180. So sometime you should go back. You might like her better as an alt-country artist. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, not a big country fan, but alt-country, well, alt-country. It's Americana. It's different. Know, yeah, type, yeah. Right, right. I, um, and and, and uh, I wonder if, if she was kind of pigeonholed into that. Uh, she was very young when she started, and you know how that goes sometimes. Somebody discovers your talent, and they try to put you in a spot and say, okay, you're going to be this kind of artist, and we're going to support you, and that's great, because that's how you can break in sometime. Sometimes, but I feel like after she kind of broke into the scene um, and then had enough power and influence over her own material to just put her foot down and say, "No, no, this this is the kind of music that I want to make." Huh. And she's great on stage. At a very intimate show. I saw her once in Nelsonville, and I saw her uh, actually this summer up in Cleveland at the Beachland Ballroom. And you know, just the band is great. All of them are just having fun on stage. No one's taking anything too seriously. You know, they're just just putting out. I think great music. Um, check out the video if you get a chance. Uh, it was filmed entirely on an iPhone. Hmm. And it kind of chronicles an 11-day trip that she takes from Hollywood, California to Hollywood, Florida. Interesting. So talk about a road trip. So, yeah, she basically took this road trip. And then just whoever was with her took clips of her, you know, in different parts of the country, um, dancing and feeling the, way, feeling the way that she wants to feel. <laughs> Um, I suppose that's somewhat of a metaphor, too, of the journey. Uh, although she's taken a journey from California back east, right? Most of the time, you know, go west, young man. But right. She, it's yeah. kind of a reverse journey. Um, Rose made her national television debut on Seth Meyers in 2020 with this song right before COVID jumped off. And I can't help but think that maybe having to postpone her tour for two years, because I had tickets for that, and that's the one I saw this summer. So after two, three years, I finally got to see her again. I think that killed a lot of her momentum. I really think um, had COVID not hit and, you know, if it was well received on Seth Meyers, she would have gotten more national attention. And who knows, this song could have been a hit. But, you know, and she even mentioned that um, at the show. You know, it's just like the worst timing possible. You know, she finally right. comes up with this this relatively commercial record. And it just, you know, it, it, it her fans, I think, enjoyed it very much. It just didn't grow her audience that much, uh, at least as much as Loner did. Um yeah, but if you get a chance to, to see her live, even if maybe this song isn't your thing, you should check out some of her other stuff, especially Loner. That's a great album, top to bottom. Yeah, no, I will, definitely. You know, COVID, I think any band in the last four years, 
new band, any new band in the last four years, my my, my heart breaks for them. Yeah. Because COVID, it, it, it did. It killed the momentum of, I would imagine, countless bands and artists. Um, well, that's what happened to our band. I mean, the band had been around before I joined them, but um, you know, we were just getting uh, our current lineup set. We had our set list down. We were practicing consistently. We had booked several gigs, played played several gigs, and we're just kind of hitting a stride. And, and and then COVID hit, and yeah. and we haven't played live since. You know, we're just now kind of getting back to writing some new material and and hoping to get back out there. But mm. yeah, it did yeah. change things. Now that is funny though. I because I only know the one song, of course, that you shared, but I can, as an alt country act, yeah, I, I yeah. can't. Well, we'll we'll put some on the alternates yeah. list. Well, and you know, many artists have. You always have the country artists that cross over, of course. Right, right. And there have been a number of pop stars uh, that have moved to country. I mean, I can think of everyone from Sheryl Crow to, you know, Darius Rucker. I mean, hell, I mean, Ray Charles sure. flirted right, with, with right, country right. music as far back as the fifties. But to make a leap from all country to such new wave. Yep. Sound right, and there's no. Just, it's not even evolution. With Taylor Swift, you see an evolution, right? Yeah, um, yeah. no evolution here. Not night and day from album two to three. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's really wild. Cool. All right, you're up. All right, my number three. Uh, speaking of alt country, um, I went with Barton Hollow by the Civil Wars. Before this, Barton Hollow is the title cut uh, from the album of the same name. came out in 2011. Uh, Singer-songwriters Joy Williams and John Paul White, uh, they were never a couple. But when performing as this American Gothic duo, uh, they certainly sound like they were in love to me. I mean, they sing together with the sort of familiarity that you really only seem to find between couples and siblings. Like Johnny and June. Exactly. Um, on this Couple, not siblings. Siblings oh, would be the Osmonds. Well, yes, <laughs> true. Um, Maybe. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> I have my doubts. Anyway. Okay, so moving on. Um, yeah, on, the, uh, on, on this debut, uh, Barton Hollow, the, the two of them traced each other's melodies with, with close harmonies that never really failed to lose their romance, even when approaching relationship and life dissatisfactions. They have beautifully understated lyrics, uh, layered over sparse instrumentation, 
And the two, I feel, best even Robert Plant and Alison Krauss's gorgeous duets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge fan of you know Plant and Krauss's collaboration, but I'll take the Civil Wars over their, their output any day. Um, White and Williams' innate ability to escalate just the the volumetric power of their playing and singing, I mean that it, it blows me away. It, it takes full control of the song's directions, creates a listening experience, experience like like no other. And you know they have no problem transitioning from tempered introspections to fiery declarations, sometimes within the same track. And it's just it's it's uncanny what they're able to do. Together they always appeared when they were to, when they were recording uh, in virtually all photos they would appear wearing what amounts to a uniform. She was always in a black dress. He was always in a black suit and tie. And and they spruced up the wellsprings of their music, which really is old-time American country and folk, with modern trappings, giving it a feel that was that really made it ageless and, and, and modern, both. Uh, Barton Hollow reminds me of, of just this deliciously... Or it reminds. <laughs> it remains a, just this deliciously understated album. I mean... It, it's acoustic, it's largely percussionless, and, and those who don't like rootsy ballads, you're in for some slim pickings, um, because Barton Hollow shines its brightest when the tempo's slow, the lights dim, and the voices rise up. Um, I did choose the title track, um, because I think it's the, the best of the album. Uh, with its outlaw lyrics and swanky southern groove, Barton Hollow, it's just... Oh, it, it it is the one that, that dips deepest into the well of American Gothic for me, which is really what what they do best. Uh, Won't do me no good washing in the river. Can't no preacher man save my soul. You know that the, the pair sing uh, these lyrics as they they pour unbearable grief and kind of infinite damnation into your body, really, with with just achingly captivating sound. Um, it's it's just haunting vocals from start to finish. And, you know, they masterfully conjure images of wandering down dirt roads at dusk, sometimes near rows of decaying gravestones. That That, that is the Civil Wars from start to finish. Uh, when they were together, they won four Grammys, the Vanguard Award. Uh, they won the adoration of music critics around the world. Um, they produced uh, music that, that appealed to both dedicated folk fans and mainstream chart lovers in equal measure. Um, just delicate duets, bluegrass string strumming, and, and the most genuinely emotive lyrics you'll hear on on this, this mixtape uh, combined to produce an album of just rare and beautiful quality. Um, Barton Hollow, they may, it may be a fictional location, but the Civil War's music gives it a voice and identity, and it's one of mystery, mystique, beauty. It, it's, it's the kind of folk album you listen to when you want to feel submerged in the elegant and the desperately haunting and... In, in, um, in desire. Sadly, the duo recorded just one more album after Barton Hollow. It was uh, eponymously titled. It was titled The Civil Wars. And then they broke up in 2014. Um, I never did find out why. I mean, I've, I've been a fan since Barton Hollow's release. I've, I've known about these two for a long, long time. I never, I never really explored why they broke up because for me, the music was enough. But Wow, I mean, it's just it is some powerful stuff. This is the my second favorite, second favorite <laughs> of your selections. Um, I, I recently came across a playlist, um, a genre playlist. I, I, this is another reason why I love Spotify, right? Because there are all these subgenres that are out there, oh, yeah, and yeah. a lot of that, you know, what does that mean? I mean, it's it, it's it's really not fair to pigeonhole a, a band, but it's good for kind of identifying whether or not 
you know, it's something that you're going to dig. And if so, where can I get more of it? Right. And I'm not sure it wasn't uh, the Civil Wars, but it was another band that was described as, as Southern Gothic Americana. And so I looked up Southern Gothic um, playlist uh, on Spotify, and, and there's this huge collection, which includes the Civil Wars, that I just love. And, and I'm like, why do I like it? And I realized, and you mentioned it already, it, it's that haunting, dark tone and imagery that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, I, I, it's, it's weird. Sometimes I just like my pure pop, you know, roll down the window drive, like we talked about already in this episode. And boy, sometimes I like my music with a little bit of, of an edge, a little bit of danger, right. a little bit of you're not sure what's going to come around the next corner. And, and that's definitely this this song and definitely a lot of what you hear in that Southern Gothic folk subgenre. In fact, um, are you a fan of True Detective? Oh, yeah. OK, so to me, this song felt like it came right out of True Detective season one. Mm hmm. Uh, and I think I, I'm not. I watched season two. I don't think I watched season. Maybe it was the opposite. I basically they're kind of independent seasons, anyways. Right. I've I've only seen season one. But season one, where it's set in the South, was Southern Gothic in and of itself, and and, and the soundtrack had all types of these types of songs that just really made you feel like, you know what? It's beautiful scenery. I'm walking down this path through the trees, but something is lurking right behind my sight line I don't know when it's going to jump out right and it, it's just it's a black and white imagery yes you know and there's no I mean to me this is just you are in this gray landscape and, and just anything or everything poses an immediate threat but you are not able to perceive any of that as you're yeah. walking I mean that that's that is their that is Southern Gothic. I would have even have included this uh, potentially on our scary Halloween because this just it's that it's yeah. that kind of spooky in in, sh- in the shadows. Yeah, right? I agree. So, all right, excellent choice. So, yeah, my 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 two favorites already um, uh, out of the gate. All right, so my next one here is one I think you mentioned because again we're not we don't really talk about these songs but we might mention titles that we, we're either like digging or not digging and I think uh, this one took a little bit of time for you to, to appreciate if it's what I think it is I now am a huge fan Carry Me Ohio yes alright you want to know what did it for me what's that I mean, you haven't introduced it yet I was driving home from, from a DJ gig uh-huh. very late at night this is the perfect nighttime yes. driving song. Yes, I, it came on and it, it just, it just suddenly it clicked. I'm glad it clicked for it you. It clicked. Finally. I mean, it, it's, it is. I mean, if you ever put together a list, I mean, of course you have to begin with "In the Air Tonight." I mean, that's, that's right. That's the quintessential nighttime driving song. Maybe "In Your Eyes" by uh, Peter Gabriel as well. But put this on your playlist because as I was driving home, I mean, it just. Just the tone and the vibe. Yes, I mean it is. It, it was perfect. That that was, I believe, what this song was created for. Yes, the song "Carry Me Ohio" by Sun Kill Moon uh, came out in 2003 from the album "Ghosts of the Great Highway." I can 
Mark Kozalik. So some of our listeners may know the name. Um, if you don't know the name, chances are you've probably seen him on the big screen. Uh, Mark Kozalik is a, is a singer-songwriter from our home county here in Stark County. In fact, he attended the middle school where I currently teach. Um, of course, he's, he's a little bit older, so he would have gone through, you know, when I was probably in elementary school, um, you know, where we went in Canton. But, um, you know, he's from this, from this area. And he, he left high school, um, he left Ohio after high school, and he formed a band called Red House Painters, which uh, alternative music fans um, of, the, of the 90s will recognize. They weren't, you know, uh, hugely commercial. Well, they weren't <laughs> hugely commercial at all. But um, they... It's a subgenre I'd never heard of before until I kind of dug a little bit this week. Sadcore. I've never heard <laughs> that. That's a genre. Sad, sadcore. Sadcore. Which are songs that are very, they're almost like laments. Songs that are are, are darker and, um, you know, not not the most upbeat. But I don't so, know how. So it's a genre of dirges. Is, is kind that, of. Is that what it is? But see, for me, like for instance, when I was feeling down in high school, if I listened to some depressing Smith music, I always felt better. I don't know why. It, it, um, maybe well, Elton John had that song. Sad song, say so much. Well, misery loves company. Yes, it, it allows you to commiserate. And I think that's yeah. why sadcore. Now that I know that's a thing, um, is a thing. And so, Red House Painters is, is considered sadcore, as is his solo stuff. But anyway, so he forms Red House Painters in 1988 in San Francisco. Um, most of his career, including his solo efforts and his second band, which is Sun Kill Moon, which is basically just Marcos Lick. You know he. He gets different session, or not session musicians, but different different members from different bands to play on his record. But it's basically just a solo project. But it all stays true to form to this to subgenre. Um, although his music may seem like a major downer upon first listen, it often carries a sense of hope for better times ahead. And I think that's what saves it. And I mean, let's think about it. that's the blues, right? No. This isn't blues music, but that's the whole definition of the blues. Oh, absolutely. Is that, yeah, things are really bad, but we're all in this together and there's hope of better times ahead. Yeah. Blues music is happy music. Yes. Pe- people always mistake it, mistake blues music for being sad. It's the farthest thing from it. It's meant to cheer you up. Now, the song would end up being a template for his 2014 critically acclaimed concept album, Benji. Um, this was a, a pitchfork darling from that year. It was on their best of uh, list. It, it got all sorts of um, exposure. And this album is one of the greatest concept albums um, that I've, I've listened to in the last 10 years. It chronicles his trip back to Ohio. So it's, it's autobiographical. And in the very first song on Benji, he tells a story about how he wakes up and he sees all of these 330 area codes, which that's our area code, um, calling him. And he finds out that a cousin that he grew up with died tragically, young. And he decides to, you know, go back to back home um, and reunite with family and friends during this sad time. And he's a little bit nervous, right? That old adage, you can't go home again, right? Right. And he boards a plane. And then every song after that uh, chronicles, uh, you know, one is the tragic death of this particular cousin. He has songs that are about coming of age, some of them are, are, are a bit graphic, uh, but they're really, really truthful, um, like his first sexual experiences, um, his first band that he was in, uh, songs about his mother, his father, uh, different members of his family. And it really is a journey through this man's nostalgia looking back at where he came from and having kind of felt like he turned his back on Ohio for all that time and realizing there was some value to where he came from. Right, that's a lot. So that's Benji. That's this song isn't from that album, but this song is kind of a template for that. Okay, um, 
This song, he personifies his home state as if it were a girl he walked away from many years ago and never truly appreciated. And like I said, you can never go home again. That whole um, you know, idea that the place of your childhood is not the place of the present. And going back with all the nostalgia, maybe nothing more than like you know, rose-colored glasses. Uh, the place that molded you will always be special, even if that place has moved on, right? Um, have you ever gone back? Well, you, you lived in your home all the way through high school, and, right. and your parents continued to own it. But I remember going back to my neighborhood, like after college, and we moved from that neighborhood when I was in, in middle school uh, or at the beginning of high school. Even today, if I ever drive past there, it's so much smaller than, than I remember, right? Because as a kid, you just have this, oh, yeah. it's this epic place. And you're like, really? That guy's house that I used to walk to that I felt was three miles is literally the next block over, you know? <laughs> and, and I remember when I was, I, I turned 30, and that was the hardest birthday for me for whatever reason. And I actually went back to, to the neighborhood and, and just walked around uh, in the snow. Um, I don't know, just kind of taking stock of, of where I'd come from and where I was going. And so I think that relates a lot to, to this particular track. Um, on a side note, because I mentioned that he was, was an actor, sort of, Cameron Crowe was a huge fan of Red House Painters. Yeah. And he cast Kozalik as the bass player in the fictional band Stillwater in his 2000 film Almost Famous. And then Kozalik picked another uh, band member to play the drummer, who is also from, from Maslin. So... A little local connection there with Cameron Crowe and Almost Famous, which, if you haven't seen Almost Famous, oh, is yeah. one of the greatest rock movies of all time. If you haven't seen Almost Famous, then shame on you. It's, it's an autobiographical, <laughs> it's a semi-autobiographical um, story of how Cameron Crowe, as a high school student, went on the road with right. Led Zeppelin uh, for to write for Rolling Stone magazine. And, of course, it's a fictional band in, in, in this uh, particular film. But right. uh, Penny, uh, Penny Lane, who has played, uh, as a, she plays... Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson yeah. plays, plays a groupie. And it is a, 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 just a story about coming of age. Yep. And so, you know, Kozilek fit. Um, between the two bands in a solo work, Kozilek has released 31 solo albums. 31. 31. How old is he? Uh, he's probably about 10 years old. He's probably getting close to 60... Maybe not. Maybe fifty five, fifty six. So, still, that, yeah. That that's yeah. I'd say he's probably fifty five, fifty six, because like Damn. I said, he he came through, um, you know, high school in the in the in the probably the early eighties uh, when we were still in elementary school. And that's Springsteen level. Yeah. Well, like I said at the top of this episode, you, know, output. you live in a day and age where you don't need a record company anymore. True. And so yeah. after Red House Painters, he just started recording stuff on his own. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of the stuff he records, he records independently and, and produces independently. Um, and, and it is not the kind of music. Like, like if, if I ever do listen to Benji, it, it's not one of those like, oh, yes, I can't wait to listen to it. it, it, it but it, it, there's something to it. It, it fills you up in, in, a, in a way. It's the sad core thing, right? Because who, who can't identify with looking back at your childhood? And in this particular instance, it's a literal going back to his childhood and then realizing who you are today. Yeah. And you know why it's called Benji? Because <laughs> I don't know why I named the album this, but there's a reference in, in, in one of the songs about how I think his mom or dad took him to see, maybe it was his grandmother, took him to the see movie. the movie Benji. I was, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, which I, was big when, when we were young. Benji, oh my, you know, not too long ago, <laughs> I, I kid you not, I, I was just, I don't even remember what streaming service it was, but I was just flipping through. I couldn't, it was one of those nights that I, I just, 
was not in the mood for anything, you know, but I knew I wanted to watch something. And I found Oh Heavenly Dog. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that yeah, one? Jane Seymour, it was Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase uh, ends up in the, uh, he, he basically is reincarnated as Benji, the dog. And it brought back just this flood of me. I loved Benji as a kid. In fact, that's my, my younger son, Ben. Um, my wife absolutely forbade me to ever call him Benji because she always was very quick to point out it is a dog's name. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I, you kept saying Benji and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, as as a Gen Xer, I mean, immediately it yeah, just comes and, to mind. And I remember so. listening. A friend of mine uh, recommended this, and um, especially because of the local connection. And so he he name drops. I mean, really, he's almost not quite. He's so kind of lo-fi. Uh, he just it's almost stream of consciousness. It's 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 a guitar and occasionally some percussion and bass, but it's just. It, he's just telling his story. It's like an autobiography. And so he names things like, like restaurants we've been to and streets where we've hung out and, um, you know, Belden Village Mall, which is a staple in Stark County. So when you listen to these songs, um, we have the added benefit of also being from here. Right. And it really, really, really makes it personal. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have to give it a listen. Yep. Um, just give, give yourself time, though, to listen to all of it. Benji's not one just to listen to a track or two. You really have to sit down, put on headphones, devote 45 minutes, okay. and and take it all in. Yeah, no, I definitely... And make sure you're in a semi-good mood, because otherwise you might be suicidal when you're... Because I introduced Wonder, him to wonderful. a friend... <laughs> well, I made a mistake of introducing to a friend who likes similar, has similar music tastes. I didn't know it at the time, but he was kind of feeling down about some stuff. And uh, he wrote back, he's like... Oh, why did you send that to me? Like, I feel like driving off a cliff. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> it's not what I meant to, to do. Ouch. Um, but but, but y y I think if you are in a good state of mind, you see the hopefulness beyond the tragedy. Yeah. Now, like I said, I this one, it did not connect with me at all for probably the first dozen times I, I listened to it. Um, by the time you and I had talked about it, I had begun to warm to it a bit. But then it was about a week and a half, two weeks after you and I talked about it, that I was driving home. It was a Saturday night. I was driving home from DJing, and it, I was listening you know, to, to your list, uh, just trying once more to, to get a feel for everything. And it was just the perfect time, and it was the perfect occasion, just driving in my car late at night. And it just, I mean, I, I would put this between night swimming and... and uh, Dreamweaver. I mean, yeah. it, it's not that that not that it has anything to do or sounds in any way like the other two. But I mean, it is just the perfect nighttime driving song. Well, so. for me, I have to have an emotional connection to a song. I, I can hear a song and appreciate it for what it is, but not have an emotional connection. And I really don't care to listen to it again. Um, I don't know what it is that makes a song um, like that. You know, is certain combination of just the artists. Lyrical arrangements, the tone, the what they bring to the vocal, what they bring to the playing, but you know, not every song connects with me in that way. Right, and 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 this one just totally does. Yeah, no, it is. It is now one of my favorites. It went from being one of my well, one, one of the two I could not really connect with to being one of my absolute favorites. I kind of went out on a limb on that one, but uh, no, I'm I, I love it. All right, you're up. All right. Well, I said that some of these artists, some of these songs were on my list last season before we went gender specific. This is one of them. Um, it is Ragged Wood, and it is by the Fleet Foxes. Oh, 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 oh,
been a Fleet Foxes fan for, well, really since their debut. I, I've always loved the Fleet Foxes. Did I introduce um, them to you, or did you hear them about no, them on your own? Okay. I've discovered them on my own. So that's one of the bands I evangelicalize. Evangelize? Is that a word? Uh, evangelize. Evangelize. What am I thinking? <laughs> that's one of these uh, yeah bands that I, I used to evangelize all the time when I discovered them. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I don't remember having a conversation with you about them. Um, in fact, I don't remember how I found them. I, I just... Maybe you did, and I don't, I don't remember it, but um, yeah, since, really since 2000, well, they 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 formed in 2006, but 2008 was uh, the debut album, uh, the self-titled eponymous Fleet Foxes. Uh, you know, the story of Fleet Foxes, it takes us back to Lake Washington High School in Seattle, Washington. That's where the band's founders, Skylar Josett and, and Robin Pecknold, met. Their friendship was founded on a mutual appreciation for Neil Young and Bob Dylan. <laughs> Now you know why I like I, that, Fleet Foxes. That's all, all I need to say. Dave's done with the conversation. <laughs> a love child of my two favorite, right? you know, two of my favorite yeah. singers. Um, but their bond, they, it soon led them to making music together. And initially, I guess the band went under the, the moniker The Pineapples. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but they changed it after realizing that another local band had the same name. Well, thank goodness. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I, why two bands, why any band would choose the Pineapples? I mean, I could I see a B-52 style band being right. the Pineapples. Or, or, or just, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a summer feel good, tropi- yeah, right, tropical right. vibe, I, sure, I suppose. Sure. But um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> Pecknold is the principal songwriter and lead vocalist. Josette is the lead guitarist. Uh, Pecknold's late 60s pop style, it, it caught the attention of great producers who had become instrumental to the band's success. And they released their eponymous debut EP in 2006, which helped the band to gain popularity on the local circuit. Um, the band did not release their debut album for another two years, but their fan base continued to grow, largely from illegal downloads and viral MySpace sharing. Um, high space. Wow. <laughs> dating me, dating myself on that. Um, their, their concerts continue to draw larger audiences as well, uh, because really, who needs who needs corporate PR when you have a good sound, you know, and a good fan base, and, and, and a great yeah. fan base. Yeah, uh, Fleet Foxes. They led the folk revival of of the late aughts of the you know that decade of the the early two thousands. Um, they're really the amalgam of of. Uh, Beach Boy style harmonizing, intricate acoustic chord progressions like Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. Um, they have allusions to Romantic era poets that that really make their use of nostalgia and old tropes authentic. Um, in fact, I, I know you know you love the Decemberists, which you have not once included on an Uncharted. Episode. I know, well, because I've I've included them enough on other <laughs> I suppose other broadcasts. I keep and I've waiting talked for them, and you, you're not bringing them. I mean, um, I, I would gladly do that. I'm I know, I know to, you would. <laughs> but no, I actually the more I've listened to them, I started. I've I've listened a few times to the the the, the uh, mix that you made me. I'm I'm starting to. Starting to see it. See, they're the band. I, I need more time, but I, I'm starting to starting to get it. There's the they're the band child, uh, the love child of the bands, the Smiths and REM. Right. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. that's the best way to describe them. So, if you like the Smiths and REM, you'll like yeah. the Decemberists. But anyway, go ahead. Well, no, my, my point was though the Decemberists. There's a lot of literary illusion. Oh yeah, right. Oh, yeah. They're hyper literate. Yeah, exactly. Fleet Foxes are not far behind. Right. Fleet Foxes make use of. Uh, the Romantic Poets, especially the Transcendentalists, are definitely front and center. And the song that I chose, which I haven't named yet, 
Or, no, I did. I said Ragged Wood yep. uh, early on. Um, haven't talked about it yet. But in that song, uh, in the song that I've chosen, there's there's a definite allusion to uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, yeah, right. which which I have never read in my life. So I don't understand the allusion, but I, it's very obviously there. Um, have you ever read Jonathan Livingston Siegel? If I did, it was a long time ago. I know my parents had a copy of it in the house. I remember it was kind of spoofed on the Brady Bunch movie because that's what uh, Mike was reading in bed. Right. In their separate beds. Yeah. I um, I know nothing about the story. I never read it. My wife had to read it in high school and did not because she said it was, she thought it was the stupidest book she'd ever picked up. But And she and she loves literature, so it's not like she's not a reader. Wait, they didn't have separate They had a single bed, didn't they, in Brady Bunch? Because that was a big, yeah, that no, was like a big step. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, they, 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 they slept together. Bed. Yeah, they yeah. slept together. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> The the Fleet Foxes, they may have a firm grasp on rock and folk history, but they never play to their record collection, which is what I love so much. Uh, rather than revive a particular scene or recreate a lost sound, uh, the Seattle Quintet, they, they really cherry-pick their ideas from a broad spectrum of styles. They pull from Appalachian folk, classic rock, AM country, uh, definitely the SoCal pop, uh, to create a, a personal synthesis of the, the music of their peers, their parents, and even their grandparents. And they really are timeless in that way it, it's just a harmony drenched folk song always uh, to be far more abundant than the genre's traditional struck stylings um, and, and while the music packs a lot into each track it never feels overstuffed uh, their albums are intricate pieces of cinematic quality compositions really and Pecknold creates orchestral sized sounds that utilize harmony reverb acoustic guitar bass drums to achieve a just this grand sound. Um, and they even had, at one time, Joshua Tillman, better known as Father John Misty. Who will make uh, an appearance later. Today. Right. Uh, <laughs> he, he was actually drummer. Uh, he drummed, toured he drummed with them the and appeared on some tracks. Right. Yeah. Uh, their 2011 album, Helplessness Blues. Uh, he was a member of the band. Um, for today's mixtape, though, I did. I chose the third song from the Fleet Foxes debut album. It's titled Ragged Wood. Uh, I think the conventional pick, what most people would expect me to pick, would be White Winter Hymnal. But but I went with Ragged Wood. Um, the song structure, I this one is just, it, it wins for me. Um, definitely, of all the tracks in the album, this is my favorite. It, it's more jazz-like than traditional pop. Uh, it opens with, a, with full-throated harmonies, uh, plucking appreggios, and, and a rhythmic snare that just brings energy. And that energy carries then them through the first two verses until releasing the tension for the third. It then shifts into a bridge with reverbed vocal harmonies sounding almost a cappella. It's over a light finger-picking guitar. Um, and then after that, the song transitions from an all-acoustic arrangement to a section led by electric guitar. Um, and it, it really, you know, it, it, this, this in turn, it, it transitions then to the last section of the song. Uh, it builds the energy to a crescendo with crashing cymbals, harmonizing vocals, and just this repetitive electric riff. It, it really is two songs in one. Ragged Wood is, is two songs in one uh, that are neatly you know, brought together through that acapella bridge. It's just, to me, it's, it, it's just the most lively sounding song on the album. Um, the alternating vocal harmonies and shuffling shaker and tambourine rhythm effectively translate classic rock uh, via folk elements in ways that no other band has done before. Um, Fleet Foxes, you know, they, they they came out about the same time as Mumford and Sons. And Mumford and Sons, they, they had, you know, a few mm -hmm. very successful um, 
hits on, on the Hot 100. They charted. Right. Why the Fleet Foxes did not, I have no idea. I, I think it's because Mumford & Sons was just a little more commercial. A little, you know, um, Fleet Foxes to me still requires um, a little bit of discipline in listening. Because it, you're right, it doesn't have that sweeping, you know, pop mentality to it. Right. There's a lot going on. And it's like one, it's one of those bands where the longer you stay with it, uh, the more uh, you find, right? It, yeah. It's a journey. I remember, and I'm glad you said uh, Beach Boys, because I, I forget where I discovered Fleet Foxes, but I, but I put in the debut album, and, and Sun It Rises is the first track. And that is just all Brian Wilson harmony. Oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the Beach Boys, they're back. And then it went into, you know, then I saw the Dylan, then I saw the Neil Young. And yeah, and, and my wife has a somewhat condescending term for music like this. She calls it, oh, it's good background music where I just want to, oh, Fleet Foxes are not background music. But I think what she means by that is it, it's, it's not the kind of song that you could easily pick up, like the Preachers, where you hear it right away and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, it's one of those that, you know, you just need to be patient. It's one of those that you need to listen to, uh, pay attention to. Um, it, it's somewhat, um, how do I say this, like uh, intellectually, it asks something of you. Musically, it asks something of you, yeah. you know? Um, but there's a certain vibe there. And one of, one of my favorite, hands down, one of my favorite uh, bands uh, yeah. of the new millennium. No, they're, they're fantastic. And you know, Ragged Wood, that finale, it is so rousing. There's as much Fleetwood Mac as there is Simon and Garfunkel there at the end. Yep. It's just, the more I, I listen to Fleet Foxes, the more I love them, and, and that has not gone away. And this is another album you want to listen to top to bottom. Oh, you do. Absolutely, yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, w- I would have, uh, I, they were on my short list, and, uh, and you picked them, so I didn't have to. <laughs> one of those. All right, so my next one is... Uh, a band that I don't know other than this song. Um, a friend um, recommended it to me on a road trip, and we were just kind of taking turns with the, uh, as my daughter calls, the ox, right? So we were taking turns playing different uh, different songs and stuff, and this one just really stood out to me. It's uh, Be Your Man by DeMob Happy. <sighs> this is my favorite. Yeah? Of all of your songs, this is my fa- This is just pure Beatles. Came out in 2018 for, from Holy Doom. Now, I, I, I haven't gotten, kind of like the Preachers, I haven't gotten past this track yet. I love this song. I mean to go back and, and find out what else they have. I don't know if they're like a jet, where if they're kind of a, 
hey, we're going to pay homage to these different 60s influences or if this is just their sound. So I, I can't, it's unfair to judge them on one song, but but this one song is, is great. It's just great. Um, and he kind of stole my thunder, right? I, it shouldn't be hard to immediately pick out the major influence of this band, uh, right. Beatles. Um, they're English um, and they're considered alternative, although to me it's just rock, just rock and roll to me as Billy Joel once oh, said. Um, but they give, they, they channel the Beatles here. They don't copy the Beatles. They channel them in a fresh and modern sense that, you know, it's, it's just rock. It's just yep. rock music. Absolutely. It's trying to subgenre everything. Um, although one critic defined them as sex grunge. Sex grunge. <laughs> Which is a subgenre I'd never heard of. Sex grunge. I'm learning all kinds of subgenres today. This is, but, but it isn't really a <laughs> bad way to describe them. I mean, the guitars are gritty. The vocals are harmonic. Uh, the chorus has a hook. Um, and it's it just, it, there's a feast of wavering mans. You'll know what I mean when you hear the song. Right. What does it mean lyrically? Uh, you got me. <laughs> I have no clue what it means lyrically. I suppose if I took more time uh, to listen to it, I could come up with some theories. But, you know, the, the lines work so well in this song, um, even if I can't decipher what they're about. So far, the band has two released records, one in 2015 and then 2018. A lot of bands on this list haven't released anything in the last five or six years, right. which is a bit scary. Well, it's... Could it be COVID. COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they have a lot more in the tank to come and I'm looking forward to kind of exploring their stuff. Yeah. Now I am. Um, now you described their sound very well. I mean, it, it's just as very muddied. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's more like come together Beatles. It's not uh, here comes the sun Beatles. Right. No. Yeah. Come together is a good one. To me on first listen, I heard Hey Bulldog. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It just like, yeah. I it's not, hey, Bulldog. I don't want to make it sound like they're, right. they're lifting anything from the Beatles. It's just the, that is the obvious influence. Sure, sure. That, that's the song that I heard. Right. Um, no, it's, it's just, I, I've listened to this one more than any other song that, that you uh, included. It's in kind of epic. List. It's just got it a big really feel is. to it. It yeah. just, and, and it's just. It's hard, but not too hard. Yeah, it's just, it's just this muddled, um, very shaggy beauty that just comes yeah. together i mean yeah. i don't know how else to describe it it's it's just oh it's catchy as hell all right well my number five here we go um you know the, the musical world it, it's brimming with guitar welding singer songwriters uh from folkies to rockers but there's also the tradition of piano playing practitioners of the art right from carol king to elton john billy joel to ben folds the pianist vocalist composer tends to bring a somewhat different sound to the music uh, in part by the nature of the instrument and its greater possibilities. And I love the piano. I love it. Uh, and by extension, I'm a huge, huge fan of the singer songwriters that play it. Um, it should come as no surprise then that I have become a huge fan of Gabe Dixon. Um, like Nora Jones, Dixon played the first Bonnaroo Festival in 2003. He was uh, an up-and-coming piano slinger. Jones went on to Grammys and Megastardom, while Dixon was offered a slot in Paul McCartney's live band, which he courageously declined, actually. Wow. Um, for those who are familiar with him, Dixon's artistry sounds much like Billy Joel's Turnstiles Reflections or Elton John's Tumbleweed Connection Amer Americana. Um, he was a classical piano major at the University of Miami when he formed his band in 99 with his two college roommates, bassist Winston Harrison and drummer Jenna Ricks. Uh, the group also included a sax player and evolved into a kind of fusion and jazz, jam band. I almost said jazz. I, I, fusion and jam band. No, but I, but I will say that the, uh, the, the rhythm in the song 
Yes, has a jazz percussion to it. Oh, it, def- very, it definitely does. Yeah, the song isn't jazz, but the percussion is very yes, jazz. Very much. Um, the, the group also, um, you know, basically they they were based in Nashville, and and he began to attract attention as a sideman. He started doing audio uh, and studio. Started doing studio work. I guess is the best way to say it, with Alison Krauss. Uh, he, he played keyboards on Paul McCartney's "Driving Rain." as well as being a part of the high-profile post-September 11th concert for New York City. He performed um, with McCartney oh, on wow. stage. Uh, Dixon's band was signed to Warner Brothers Records, and, and they released a very good recording called On a Rolling Ball, but the band soon fell victim to, to changing management at the label, and, and they found that their tour support was pulled just as they were ready to go on the road. Um, so with Dixon living in Brooklyn, the others went their separate ways, for a while, but they soon decided that they wanted to get back together. And they returned to Nashville. They began focusing on music that was more song-oriented than their previous, more jam-based music. And, and Dixon, he, he cites influences um, that you know are, are just, it's a Gen X uh, list of who's who. Um, he listened to them growing up uh, in his parents' record collection. The list includes Elton John, Billy Joel, Joni Mitchell, Jackson Brown, James Taylor, Bob Dylan. Um, Dixon and his his band, they took a cue from all these legendary artists and they concentrated not only on the songwriting, but also on the arrangements and the musical colors. Um, The song that I've picked, it's actually titled All Will Be Well. The new day dawns and I am practicing my purpose once again. It is fresh and it is fruitful if I win, but if I lose, ooh, I don't know. I'll be tired, but I will turn and I will go. Only guessing till I get there, then I'll know. Oh, I will know. And all the children walking home past the factories can see the light that's shining in my windows. I this song to you And all the cars running fast along the interstate can feel the love of the radiates illuminating what I know is true All will be well Even after all the promises you've broken to yourself Ask me how, but only time will tell. I heard this song for the first time, for the for the very first time, on an episode of Parks and Recreation. Mm, yeah, of all places, yeah. um, it, it was uh, in the episode "End of the Road." Um, the end of the world <laughs> from 2011. Great one. That's the one I think where Nick Offerman's character Ron Swanson is selling. Is he selling flutes, flutes? I think that he's yep. created, that, that's and the uh, episode. yeah, and uh, they're paying him whatever yep. he asks because they don't think they're going to be around the next. They're one of those cults that think yep. the, the world's going to end. Yep. And yep. every year he makes a ton of money off these yep. guys. That's that's <laughs> the episode. Yeah, um, and and it did. It included just this joyful and reassuring song. All will be well. And you know, I was listening to it, and immediately it just struck me. This is this is Billy Joel. This is Elton John. I mean, for for you know the for basically for Gen Z or for at the very least the millennial generation and because I'm always on the lookout I don't want anyone to be a carbon copy but there are certain artists from 
you know, from my own childhood and my, my adolescence that when I find someone who has what I see as the evolution of that. Like that Joshua Cadison in the 90s. Yes, yeah, Cadison was very much the same. And so I, I went out, I, I picked up a, a copy of Dixon's uh, album from which this comes. It's the Gabe Dixon Band from 2008. And from start to finish, I mean, it is just phenomenal. Um, he, For one thing, the song is, is beautifully tailored to Dixon's voice. It, it, it sounds both half mournful and, and half hopeful at, at the same time. And, you know, it seems only fitting then that this should be one of my absolute favorites by him because it's just, it is in that same feel, it's in the same wheelhouse of the music that you and I, you know, were so obsessed with in high school. I mean, Billy Joel is how our friendship formed, you know, right out the gate. Um, the song actually came out of his experience with having his previous record deal derailed and, and the changing label that I had mentioned before. Um, he was coming to terms with the disappointment and looking to move beyond it, and he wrote this track, All Will Be Well. He actually wrote it with Dan Wilson of Semisonic, um, who I didn't know. Dan Wilson, I guess, is a very prolific writer. He's worked with everybody from Adele to Taylor Swift to the Chicks. Hmm. Still want to call them the Dixie Chicks, but, but the, the Chicks. Um, the two got together, and uh, Dixon played for him this, this song that he had recently been working on. Uh, it was finished, he thought, but it didn't go over well with his bandmates or the record label. So Wilson changed the beginning of the chorus to a minor key, and then he helped him write the pre-chorus. And the pre-chorus is just, and it is, it's just perfect ballad. It's perfect poetry. And all the children walking home past the factories can see the lights shining in my window as I write this song to you. All the cars running fast along the interstate can feel that love that radiates, illuminating what I know is true. And it's just, it's just beautiful. Um, after a few more tweaks, the new version was finished, and this time it earned the approval of the stakeholders, and this went on to become one of his most popular songs. Uh, for aspiring musicians, if you're wondering how to make a killer first impression, Gabe Dixon Band's self-titled debut should serve as the model, really. It's piano-pop-driven fare, rooted in folk and classic rock. It's filled with thoughtful lyrics and robust grooves. It's a timeless collection, a natural fit for fans who do love vintage Elton John or Billy Joel. And it bridges the gap for those seeking a contemporary match in musicianship. Um, Dixon, armed with dexterity and restraint on the keys, he's equally gifted with an array of range and expression in his vocals. And his hopeful melodies shine on. Um, they really shine on his, his grand first-person narratives. Uh, to call this disc a debut, however, is a bit mislabeling. Um, Gabe Dixon Band, as a jam band, they did put out two previous albums, but with little fanfare and certainly without this sound. So, yeah, soft piano-based pop music, right? It's often considered cocktail jazz for the unthinking masses, background noise for those otherwise engaged. I, I don't know. Um, to me, there, there's a pop sensibility to this oh, song. I, oh, to me, it's very accessible. Oh, and, and I agree. That That's where I was getting at. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, pop piano-based, you know, piano-based pop, I mean, it, it's not just wallpaper for social conversations. And I think a lot of people mistake it to be that. You know, it's considered light fare that ranges from, you know, the sophistication of Elton John to the schmaltzy stylings of Barry Manilow, right? But I love it. And there's, there is, there, you said it perfectly, a pop sensibility. I mean, it just, the arrangement is, it comes together and it's, it's just perfect. 
and and the Gabe Dixon band. I mean, they, you know, they clearly lack a rock edge. This is not a rocking band by any means. Their songs don't really break any ground in their l- lyrical subjects or viewpoints, but they're just so incredibly well written and so well executed, both in wordcraft, music, and arrangements. Um, for me, that wholesome '70s piano pop. It just feels good on the ears, you know, and it's feels like an old pair of jeans. It, it does. Yeah. And this one, you know, when you're talking about the jazz percussion, when I first heard this song, the percussion in it reminded me a lot of travel and prayer. Yeah. It, no. it has that same rhythmic. Pattern yeah. And and I call it a jazz percussion, but you're right. It also has kind of a, a, a railroad track. Right. Kind of took it. It's hard to explain. Um, it, it's, yeah. it it could go either way depending on what it's supporting, right. right? So yeah, I I mean I can see I can see the jazz influence that you're talking about. But yeah, to me it was I, I first heard it. I, I thought travel and prayer. Not that it's in any way a country yeah. rootsy. It's definitely song. a train like rhythm, right? Yeah. So, were you familiar with Gabe Dixon? I was. I'd never heard of him. Never before. heard of him. No. What 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 did you think of him? No, I could say it was like a well uh, worn pair of jeans that just fit perfectly right yeah. from the, from the onset. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly where this is going, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's probably one of my favorites of of the twelve. I just I love this guy, and I mean, he's he's not edgy like Ben Folds. I mean, it's very it's just very no. Pers- but but I did think Ben Folds when I heard it the first time. Video. Um, so, I mean, there's something about it, something about the melody with the piano accompaniment. Mm-hmm. So, it's not Ben Folds. Right. But, but, but I did see, I, I felt a little Ben in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I was hoping you would like him. Yeah, it, definitely. I love this guy. I love his music. All right. My next pick here. I think I got two more left here in this episode. Uh, I'm going with a song called Myth uh, by the band Beach House, which came out in 2012 from the album Bloom. came across Beach House a while back. Uh, this was an algorithm song, you know, yeah, on, on Spotify. And I'm, I'm assuming some of the other streaming services, if, if your playlist runs out, you can have it set up to start suggesting songs that match that playlist. And boy, they have me pegged. Um, a lot of bands I've discovered that in, in that method. Um, they opened up the world of another subgenre, dream pop. 
to me. Okay, that one I know. <laughs> I have not known any of the sub uh, genres you've named today until Dream Pop. Not so. sex grunge. I have never heard of sex grunge. <laughs> that was new no. for me too. Or, or sadcore. No. The best way to describe Dream Pop to an ex or not familiar with the subgenre would be Mazzy Stars 1993 Fade Into You. Oh, perfect song. And ma- many attribute that to be, and it's funny because some people say, well, it's shoegaze. Shoegaze is another subgenre. Um, it gets its name from alternative artists in the, you know in the in the late eighties early nineties on through who you know kind of looked down at their shoes while they played and and played their music. Um, it, it has well, it's hard to you know, I hate describing music yeah, to listen to. Yeah, it's but so I'll hard. do my best. But best, but if you can think of fading to you, most people remember that song. Uh, that's a perfect example of what would be considered dream pop. It's airy. It's sometimes minimalistic. Uh, but it's heavily influenced, usually with reverb and breathy vocals and these chimey guitars and layered keyboards. So that's, my, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, Myth appeared on Beach House's fourth record, which dropped in 2012, and is a perfect representation of this Maryland duo sound. Uh, although their follow-up record in 2015 brought us Space Song, which is arguably their best-known single. Yeah. Alternative music fans of the last you know 15 years will, will know Space Song. And they'll probably know Myth, too, but... Um, I will say Dreamhouse can be a somewhat acquired taste. It's not one of those that I just run out and recommend to anyone. Again, it would be a famous, uh, my wife's <laughs> great background music comment. <laughs> um, because sometimes it appears to people to be very one note, to be very one trick pony. Because a lot of the songs are very, very similar in, in their structure and their style. But again, if, you, if you're patient, if you take time, if you start throwing it on on your commute every morning or before bed each evening, you are going to discover a tapestry um, that's just kind of hidden under the surface. And it's a very, very exciting journey, in my opinion. Um, okay, I'm just going to yeah. interject here. You yeah. said that you, and I agree, I, we are not music critics, so describing music is like, I, it's the hardest part of what we do. Sure. But you just nailed it. Oh, did I? Oh, Talking wow. about it as a rich, ta- the tapestry, that that was perfect. Oh. I, I can't think of a better way to describe Beach House. Well, thank you. So you, <laughs> you, 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 you I've listened to them enough this yeah, summer. Yeah, you did it very exceedingly well right right there. So. And it was one of those bands that I kind of, I've, I've always liked. I wouldn't say I loved, I always liked and appreciated. And then they came to Cleveland uh, this summer and a buddy of mine who I actually introduced, it's funny, I introduced him to Beach House and then he became a huge fan, much more than I was. And he said, hey, they're coming in town. Do you want to go see? They're up at the Agora. I'm like, sure. Yeah, I like them. Um, After seeing them live is when I became a fan. Uh, It was hypnotic. You know, sometimes, especially a standing room only, you know, I'm getting older and I I prefer a seat because I'm an old guy. Right. Um, This was one of those, you know, you walk down on the floor, uh, there's no slam dancing or mosh pit, but everybody stood there still looking at the stage, caught up in the vibe for two plus hours. It's awesome. They must have put on a hell of a show because yes. I know you and you can fall asleep standing up. And I did not fall asleep and standing up. They are, which I did and Beach House is mellow as hell. So I'm thinking it, it's a wonder that you remained alert. And, uh, yes, I mean, it is fun. very calming. Um, and, and so you could see how somebody would, would, would be very relaxed listening to it. But um, yeah, there's just so much much going on there. And, and, yeah. and they're very... Even their stage presence is very cryptic, um, very low light, a um, lot of smoke, um, uh, shadows. You don't even really get a good sense of what the duo looks like uh, because there's so much in the shadows when they play. So they're definitely a de-emphasis on them as personalities and all the focus is on their music. 
And they actually had a harpsist open for them, which is funny because they always say the rule is you never want somebody with more energy to open for you. And it's like, okay, what's Beach House going to find? They found a harpsist. A harp. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of good. That's actually funny. But uh, yeah, if you get a chance, um, you know, it's it's not one that you're going to pop in right away, I don't think, and say, oh, yeah. But uh, if you give it some time, it's worth it. It really is. Uh, Spotify introduced them to me as well. Um, I've I've never, I I knew this one, um, and I don't I don't dislike it. I mean, to me, it's 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 very chill. Mm-hmm. I, I this is the perfect song if you want to just veg. Yeah, you know, and that's that's it's vibey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, that's what Beach House is. I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, um, but. Your description now, I kind of want to see him live. I want to see, yeah, no, it was, it was you know, how that, how that pans out. But, um, no, it's just, it's just some of the most relaxing music that you will yeah, find. Yeah. So, all yeah, right, good choice. Your last pick, all right. Well, I end this one with a banger. Uh, this is just an incredibly jubilant, isn't a banger pop. a British sausage? Uh, maybe. I don't, okay, I, I don't know. I, no idea. I don't Bangers do, and know. mash. Isn't like it, a, bangers and our, our British listeners tell me if I'm correct yeah. in that, that it's a, it's a breakfast. Well, in America, it refers to something that's just, <laughs> it makes you want to get up and... It's not a real sausage, folks. No, it's, it, it's a it, real... Yeah, and it makes you want to get up and polo dance, I suppose. Uh, this one, it's just... Let me guess. Is it roller coaster? No. No, not no, roller no, whoa, whoa, whoa. coaster. And then it's the other one, which would be Kiss Her You Fool. No. Ah, those are the two I would have said. Really? All no. right, anyway. This one is Don't Lose Sight. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. This one is just, to me, it is just, oh, it, it is just the most emotionally charged song uh, on my list, I think. Are you kidding me? I'm getting sick of the industry. I've had enough of the make-believe. Oh, please. Oh please, am I lost or found? I'm getting sick of the ups and downs. No need to give me the run around. I'm out, I'm out. This shit's gonna kill me, but I won't let it. And I try to give them help. How did I know you would include a soul-soaked gospel-inspired track? I knew I knew there would be one on the list. Oh yeah, there has to be. Um, <laughs> oh, you know me too well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the song is performed by Lawrence, which is just this dazzling eight-piece soul bop band. Never heard of them either. Never heard mm-hmm. of them really. The, the, they're fronted by sibling duo Clyde and Gracie Lawrence, and this song was the perfect anthem when it was released in the summer of twenty-one. Um, the track is soulful it's enchanting it just has this irresistibly catchy melody uh, it's designed to lift your spirits and just bring some positive energy your way um, with bouncy instrumentation it has um, in- infectious vibes just this universal and poignant narrative all about perseverance and determination uh, Lawrence preaches about the importance of staying strong and ignoring the haters and it's just filled with this high energy vocals and the explosive melodies that, that make you instantly makes me instantly want to get up and just dance uh the track 
should have shot them to superstardom. It really should have. Um, released in July 2021, Don't Lose Sight opens the band's third studio album, which is Hotel TV. Now, I admit, I have not listened to the album. I, I know nothing by this band except Don't Lose Sight. Um, and I, I kind of am ashamed of myself for not delving into their, their back catalog at this point because this song, it's just charismatic, it's colorful, it's epic. It's just doused in this sweet, seductive soul very gospel-like, like you said. Um, and it just, it blows me away. I mean, Gracie Lawrence, she falls in the wheelhouse of Amy Winehouse a bit. Maybe Mandy Lee from from Mr. Wives. And, and her brother's range in vocal styling sounds as if Andy Grammer were to cross over into jazz, which I, I don't know how, any other, <laughs> I don't know any better way to describe that. But but collectively, however, their sound meets at an upbeat pop and almost Dixieland jazz. I mean, it just has that call response to it. It's it's just, oh, it's, it's infectious. And I really, you know, I had hoped when I heard this song that it would be what would put them on the map because immediately I thought this was the next big thing. Um, only to find out that they had had two previous albums and that the album from which this comes um, really had had not made any gains from, from the song either. Don't Lose Sight was featured in an international Microsoft commercial, and that propelled it into the top 20 on the USA Shazam pop charts. And the single was played on over 100 multi-format stations across the country. This is the one that I said charted very high on the radio airplay okay. chart. It's very cross-genre. Yeah, it, it peaked at number 33 on the US airplay chart but somehow it still failed to chart on the Hot 100. And I, this of every song that I brought to, to the episode, this is the one I just, I do not understand how this was not a huge hit. Um, it's just, it is probably the most feel-good song that I've included in either Uncharted episode. I mean, it's just... Oh, it just raises my spirits. So this must be listen. this must be my "Feel the Way You Want" by Carolyn Rose. Maybe because I like the song. I, I do like the song. I don't see it as this big sweeping, like number one hit song. Really? Yeah. Okay. But I, so now you know how I feel about how you felt about Carolyn Rose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a it's a good uh, yeah good comparison. Because yeah. the other two that I mentioned previous that I thought you were going to go to those two. Those two are kind. You set your alarm clock to those songs. Oh yeah, because yeah. they get you moving. Absolutely, and, and this one, you know, again, it, I liked it. It just didn't stand out for me as much as your other picks. Okay, no, that's fair. Yeah, the, the other two are side B, um, but yeah, no, this one, huh? Yeah, it has to be like Carolyn Rose because she just does not. I don't see yeah. her what you do. So yeah, there for, we go. <laughs> you know, it, you know, for as similar as we are in taste, sometimes in music, it just sometimes. Maybe it was the emotion. I didn't have the emotional connection. Maybe that was it, like I talked about earlier. Yeah, but and, I, and I'll, I'll give it some more. It's probably the one I listened to least when going through your songs, okay. because I, I spent so much time listening to uh, Fur and and to listening to the Civil Wars and, and and some of those tracks that I didn't leave as much room for for this one. Gotcha. Well, and this is the antithesis of the two you just named. Right. I mean, those right. those are just you know singular guitar playing. Right. You know, which, yeah. Which it, is my, my yeah singer songwriters. This is a whole other genre in and of itself. So, but anyway, yeah, Don't Lose Sight is my last song for side A. Very good. Well, I'll close out this uh, side here with 
You already mentioned him, Mr. Josh Tillman, also known as Father John Misty, who did play with uh, Fleet Foxes for a time. Um, this is a song called Total Entertainment Forever from his album Pure Comedy. And boy, do I love this song. Swift every night inside the Oculus Rift after Mr. and the Misses finished dinner and the dishes. And now the future's definition is so much higher than it was last year. It's like the images have all become real. Someone's living my life for me out in the song i love father john misty i mean he's just i i love and i'll talk about why i love it so much but again it's one of those rare songs that lyrically may be called out to me before musically Mm -hmm. before it did musically anyway father john misty like i said his stage name for josh tillman um who in addition to his solo output and his recording with uh, fleet foxes has also played with um kid cuddy lady gaga beyonce yeah, he's, really? he's everywhere. Whether He's almost like a Michael McDonald character where he, he lends backing vocals or guitar work or piano and he drummed for Fleet Foxes, so he's a multi-instrumentalist and he just seems to pop up a lot of places where you wouldn't expect him to. I would never have, and I, I love this guy. I, yeah. I know his music, but I never had yeah. any idea that he played with such mainstream it, Well, it's kind of like Bonavir. Bonavir, you know, is his indies. You talk about Beach House being kind of, real low key I can't think of anyone more than, than Bonavir and he's you know played with Kanye West and, and recorded with lots of other and you, know, you wouldn't expect see I didn't know that either. I, yeah. all I know of Bonavir is, is Skinny Love that's, yeah. that's what I know, right? I know by him by. but uh, wow now okay. Tillman was raised in a very strict evangelical household and was not permitted to listen to secular music uh, growing up I love this next part until he convinced his parents in high school to let him buy Dylan's Christian themed slow train coming well, his parents, you know, uh, they succumbed because it is a very spiritual um, album. And uh, that just unlocked a door where Tillman never looked back. And uh, again, trying to take five minutes and talk about his catalog is unfair, so you need to go listen to it. But I just want to pull this track because I think it's a good representation. Uh, it's a second track from his, his third studio record. Um, I love it on two fronts, like I said. It, it's interesting uh, musically. It, it, it's got this jazzy horn section almost a, almost a soul like horn section it's not a soul song per se but it, it's playing around it, it's kind of flirting with that with the horn section um, which I'm not always a big fan of, of horn sections it, it, it depends on you know what you're trying to do and it works perfectly here 
Um, underneath Tillman's acoustic guitar, and there's, there's piano in there. But lyrically, this song explores our evolution, or you might say de-evolution, uh, <laughs> as a people, uh, glimpsing the not-so-distant future where people routinely find intimacy through virtual reality and are no longer encumbered by things like love. So yes, you could say he's a bit of a cynic, um, but cynics are often prophets, uh, unfortunately. And I mean, okay, let, one of the greatest opening lines of any song, uh, betting Taylor Swift every night inside the Oculus Rift. <laughs> that just gives you an idea how it starts, right? right. And, and that's the satire in the song because he, he presents it as this great, brave new world, this great almost, um, you know, like Donald Fagan's IGY. What a wonderful world we have here because everybody has entertainment at their fingertips whenever they want it in virtual reality. They can escape to this other world. And, and, and then he ends by saying, you know, someday when they find us, they're going to say, what a happy place. Uh, and yet we're all skin and bones, you know, with these devices on our head. And he says, we're, like, you know, we're not encumbered by things like love and we don't have to worry about relationships anymore and as if it's a good thing. And so that's where that satire comes, comes through, really shines through on this. Yeah. Now, some people, you know, critics sometimes find his lyrics a little bit on the nose. And I think that's true in some cases. But how do you fault someone that just really bears their soul and what's on their mind? And, you know, he obviously came from a very strict upbringing and his music explores a lot of these issues of spirituality and who we are as a people and how we treat one another very very common theme and um this one's just just spot on yeah no i I love this guy and he was actually on my short list um i ended up cutting him at the last minute in part because i had the fleet foxes he's not on the fleet foxes track but but still i thought i'll i'll keep them in reserve for, for next season. I was going to probably go Nancy from now on. Yeah. Um, but then when you included him, I was just, I was thrilled because he is just, there are shades of Cat Stevens mm-hmm. in there, you know, I, it's just, but he's so, he's so singular. I mean, there's nobody that sounds quite like him and his, his lyrics are just, yeah, and they do, they, they can get very spiritual and he, he just has, he has so much, to say and it's so soul bearing that it's just I, I never tire of listening to him right so. yeah the pure comedy the, the first track um, on, on this album pure comedy too is another one I considered um, it's also an exploration into his you know his struggles with faith and, and, right. and making sense of the world and you know why we're here and, and how people have taken religion unfortunately and, and, and used it in, in many harmful ways right now in some ways his lyrics it reminds me of how we as pretentious late teens or early 20s sat there and thought we were great philosophers. Yes, and, yes. And that's what know. critics say. Critics are like, well, you know, like I said, too much on the nose. But I, I just don't think you can blame a guy who's just no. willing to put it out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. He does. He, he Listening to his lyrics, it often reminds me of the conversations that we and our group of friends used to Yeah, it's not cryptic. Have. This is probably the most cryptic thing, and it's not right. cryptic. So. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> all right, well, that's that's it for yep. Side A. Side A. I, 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 boy, I thought we were flying through, and here we are sitting at, you know, over an hour and a half. So, well, we have uh, good music. Definitely didn't sell it short. No. Nope. All right. Well, anything uh, before we go? I uh, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Uh, we sometimes forget to do this, so I'm, I'm really sorry, Jen. <laughs> um, I, I know you're listening. Um, but she doesn't really care. She just loves what we do. Uh, Jake Callahan Painting. Uh, it's serving the greater Cleveland area. Good good friend of ours and and she does incredible work so for all your painting needs look her up on facebook and she will do you proud 
I got nothing else. All right. Well, hey, if you get a chance to uh, to leave a review on, on uh, Apple Music, we would really appreciate it. Or give us a star review on Spotify. Please continue sending in emails. We love hearing from our, our listeners uh, with suggestions. And, and, and sometimes it's just good to, to, to hear how... Uh, they're enjoying the podcast and how this music's bringing back a lot of memories. And in this case, hopefully introducing them to a whole new uh, world of music. So that's all for this week. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, lift the needle. No. Oh. I, oh. Oh, messed that one up. Okay. <laughs> See, we, that's why I read my Yeah, notes. I know. You always write it down. <laughs> we're, we're only, you know. Three seasons. And the end of three, three, season three. Yeah, at the end of season three. Uh, but for now. Uh, press pause then lift the needle don't want to do it in the opposite uh, don't want to reverse that out that'll make a terrible what if you're, terrible guess, screech I was going to say what if you're listening to CD but I guess you pause the CD as well yeah, you would pa- yeah, yeah. so yes uh, press pause lift the needle hit eject and your, your mixtape will come out much much better for it Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time
Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine There's an X 